Welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I am Dr. Bill Kanaski, and let me tell you what, I what a day. So I just got off the phone with um, with an attorney and a uh, good guy. Uh, I've never worked with him before. Told me about a new case, which it looks like we're going to re- get retained to do some uh, witness training prior to deposition. Um, very, very wise uh, because the plaintiff attorney in this case is big time plaintiff attorney. And we'll want to get the <clears throat> depths of our folks uh, relatively soon, make those look as terrible as possible, and then use that as economic leverage as they approach mediation. And as we're talking, he's like, hey, I love your podcast. I'm like, hey, thank you. He's like, but I'm very impatient. So I just, I I kind of, I skip right to, like, I go about 10, 15 minutes in. And I, I said, wait a second, what do you mean? He goes, well, I like to listen. I just, I jump ahead about 10 minutes. I just want to get right to the meat of it. And I'm going, you, you skipped my rant? I'm like, the rant's the best part. I get emails about the rants every week. He's like, I just don't have time for your rants. So in honor of this attorney who shall go unnamed, I'm going to start this podcast with a rant, ladies and gentlemen. So my son, I have two sons, as most of you know, uh, one's 22, one's 15. And my son, my older son's uh, car just broke down, blew the head gasket too. This is, this is going to be an ugly repair. So he's been driving my car all week while I've been gone. So, and he called me, he's like, hey, can I use your car this week while you're gone? Yeah, of course, son, Yeah, use my car. So I get in, so I got back last night at 1 a.m. Thank you, Southwest. That's a different story, different rant. And I get my car to go to the gym this morning, prior to this podcast. And I get my car. Okay, number one, it 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 just stinks. And I'm talking, it just stinks like a locker room after a professional football game. It's it's disgusting, right? So this the stench is awful. So I close the door and I look down and, you know, everybody puts their garbage right in that little side pocket, you know, the, the little compartment on your door, right? The lower part of your driver's side door, that's where everybody puts their garbage. And yeah, if I have a wrapper or something, I may put it in there, whatever. There's two banana peels in there that are like three days old. Two banana peels. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you you know, but keeping trash in your car, right? You know, you're eating a protein bar. You're gonna stick the wrapper down there till the end. That's fine. That's fine. You do a little Chick Fil A, right? You got a couple of leftover napkins. You want to put those in the side. You don't put two used banana peels in your car, and then let's let it sit there in the Florida sun for three days. So, needless to say, my my trip to and back from the gym was disgusting. And, you know, he's a slob and, but he's my son. And this is just, this is what I have to deal with. And if that's the worst problem I have, I'm just fine with it (laughs) relative to where this world's going right now. Uh, I cannot wait uh, for my guest right here, Mr. Brendan Dawson. Uh, Brendan does a couple things in the transportation industry, but his website is accidentplan.com. Brendan and I met at a conference a couple months ago, hit it off really well. And uh, he's a fan of the podcast. I said, well, we need to get you on the podcast because what you do is very unique in the transportation industry and it overlaps with litigation. Brendan, how are you doing? Very well. Thank you, Dr. Bill. How are you? I Well, 
<laughs> Besides having a compost pit yeah. in your car. Yeah. I, I need to take a shower, not from the gym, but from being in my disgusting vehicles what I, is what I need. Um, well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Now, you're out You're out in Denver, correct? That is correct. Okay. How, how is the weather in Denver right now? You, you know, okay? uh, it's been a very mild early winter. Uh, we're going to hit 70 degrees today. It's a beautiful day out there, and we could, uh, could be snowing tomorrow for all I know. Yeah. The, the only problem I have with Denver is that airport. It's the airport, Brendan. What that that airport? Well, it's it's massive, it's gorgeous, but it's like out in the middle of like to get to the airport takes ninety minutes. Yeah, it's out it's out there for sure. It's way way out there, but nevertheless, let's talk to you. Tell us. Uh, so we met at the conference. We talked a lot, and you do a couple of different things in the uh, transportation and trucking uh, industry, which I think are very unique. And I have, I have not met someone like like you before. And so I want to uh, let's start with um, accidentplan.com. Uh, tell, tell us what that is, uh, the importance of it, and kind of the role you're, you're, you're playing um, when there, unfortunately, you know, we, we do have accidents in the transportation uh, industry. Um, some of these uh, are preventable, and there's certain things that need to be done after accidents. And kind of how you handle an accident can have a huge impact on right? The litigation that will likely take place after. Can you give us kind of a rundown? Sure. Uh, Accident Plan is a uh, is a software platform with a mobile side and a back-end office side. And it basically takes all of your best crash management uh, pro processes and procedures and wraps them up digitally so that it enables the driver because when an accident happens, no matter how fast your attorney or your adjuster says they can get to the scene, the truth is the only person on the scene representing your company and by proxy your insurance is your driver. So it's a tool for that driver to walk through the process of all the things that need to be done at a crash scene. And by that, I mean securing the scene, making sure your triangles are out, your engine is off, and then a brief contact conduct reminder, which is all of the things we taught them in orientation class that they've now forgotten because, as you know, they're under stress and their cognitive thought processes have likely gone out the window. And then all the way down to gathering the information. You may recall at that conference how many times yeah. uh, we heard from the attorneys there how important it is it just to get the uh, identity of the other parties and how often that gets missed and how much it costs. So we walk that driver through that process step-by-step, step, collect that data, shoot it straight back to the, to the internet uh, so that all of the uh, important parties can now log in and watch that scene develop in real time. That's 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 a, a incredible um, innovation. Um, talk to me about the orientation process because you and I talked at the conference. And like you said, after uh, any accident, regardless, really, I mean, regardless of severity, uh, you're going to have a driver that's probably shaken up, right? Uh, could be physically shaken up, could be um, emotionally and, em and mentally shaken up, could be scared, definitely fearful. And as we know, you know, amygdala hijack. I mean that subcortical part of your brain, survival brain takes over and uh, you don't think the right way. You don't make very good decisions. Tell, tell me about the orientation process and how this product is designed to 
essentially e eliminate those emotional um, errors? Well, we've uh, done our best to take a page out of the checklist manifesto that's uh, that's employed by uh, you know first responders, military, medicine, aviation, because. Uh, all of those occupations do find themselves in emotionally challenging situations. Yeah. And so the remedy to that is training and process, training and process. Any pilot will tell you something goes wrong while you're in the air, just keep flying the plane, go through the checklist. So that's what we've done our best to do. The challenge is in what you asked about, which is in the orientation process, because you pointed out to me when we were in Texas that uh, these people train for that. And we don't always train our drivers enough. So we don't we don't put them through the practice of it. We don't we we do a lot of excellent work on the preventability side, but we do very little on the preparation side. And so that's the challenge. And that's what we've done our best to do is give them a simple process to follow yeah. when that amygdala gets hijacked. And listen, yeah, so we were talking about, um, you know, how how pilots go through flight simulator training and how they're in this training, uh, which they do, you know, uh, obviously before their pilot and they, they I believe they do it, you know, as their pilots so many hours a year, because mm -hmm. what the software can do is put them into certain situations, create that emotional response and have the, the pilot be able to go through their checklist and essentially practice in a safe um, you know, learning environment. Um, yeah, yeah, and 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 for and for truck drivers or anybody in the transportation industry that you know that that drives a a, a corporate vehicle or a or a tractor trailer, it's not like you can practice being and in, get into an accident, right? Or 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 can you, right? In other words, it sounds like in your orientation process and going through the training that you can get some of these uh, checklists and to do lists um, to stick. Versus just kind of handing them a pamphlet and say, hey, make sure you do these five things if you get into a wreck. Yeah, yeah, it's it's challenging indeed, because as you mentioned in the aviation example, that kind of training is baked in. Yeah. And when I have the opportunity to get into an orientation class for truckers, I'll be lucky to get 15 minutes with them. We can simulate it. We can simulate it with dash cams. We could simulate it. Uh, we could simulate it in the parking lot. There's ways of going through it and simulating all of those efforts uh, the challenge with our clients, yours and mine, is being able to get their their attention. So, uh, and in fact, it's been one of the biggest. If you were to ask me who my biggest competitor is in accident plan, it is the status quo, and that's the challenge I face: is getting beyond the status quo to get people to understand what the potential cost is of not executing this type of training. Now, uh, would trucking companies be your clients, essentially? Trucking companies are the client end clients and the end users, but I'm starting to gain a lot more interest these days from your audience here yeah. of insurance people and attorneys. And that is all part of an effort to centralize the crash response. Mm -hmm and make it proactive for all the stakeholders who were involved. Imagine if 
the driver was out there and that tool alerted not only the motor carrier, but what if it could alert the adjuster and the attorney at the same time so that everyone has a unified sure. uh, response to the to the situation. Yeah, that that's extraordinary. So from from a value proposition, because listen, in, in most of my speeches and I did it in the one you saw, I, mean, I, I talk a, a lot about money. Right. I mean, I can talk about all the fancy psychology stuff, the jury decision making, the witness prep. Right. I, you know, all this stuff is, you know, fascinating. But if I'm not saving somebody money and at the end of the day, really like what, you know, what, what, what am I doing? So how, how do you kind of lay out your value proposition to say, hey, this is an investment, but there's going to be this, you know, this economic, you know, impact on the back end. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of, I, I think what kind of similar to what you're facing is maybe when dash cams kind of first came out. Right. And, you know, people had to make a decision. Do I want to invest in this or not? And boy, it's a lot of money, but like, how is this really going to help me in the end? And then what we find out over time is the true value kind of like what, what's your pitch when it comes to the, 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 the I guess the, the economic impact of what you're doing. Well, to start with that proposition, it's always a, a cost value ratio and the cost on our end is very low. And the greater the number of drivers I can get using the application and the platform, the lower I can drive that cost. And so the, the value proposition occurs in two places with accident plan. Number one is the volume of administrative time that all of these highly paid people spend trying to recover information that was on the scene when the crash happened that the driver didn't get. And I'm talking about your adjusters, your private investigators, your uh, forensic team, and especially your attorneys. How much administrative time are they going to be putting in trying to reconstruct the situation that the driver could have photographed at that moment? Mm -hmm. That's one. And the other part is, and what we say here is when you control the narrative, you control the claim. And so, and when you, and consequently, conversely, when you don't control that narrative, someone else is going to control it for you. And that's where the bugbear nuclear verdicts occur. And so what I'm trying to teach our clients and the, and the people who support them is that rapid response does lead to rapid resolution. We have to take, we have to start defending ourselves now. Doug Marcello, a well-known defense attorney who may even be listening today, hit them first is his motto. You want to act now. The sooner you act, the sooner you can close that claim. So if I can drive down the cost of even one claim, that's paid for, our subscription plan is paid for for years. Because totally really, crazy. our our high end retail price is four dollars and ninety nine cents per user per month. That's less than your pet spending on windshield washer fluid. Yeah, no, you're to totally correct. By the way, um, Doug totally like stole that from me to hit them first. 
Yeah, that's mine. Doesn't surprise me. I, I like lease that out to him. So when he's okay. giving speeches every week, like me, he uses some of my material. So we have like this. We all share. <laughs> we, you know what? And you, you know what, Bill? We're all singing different parts in the same choir. Which is which is what we need to do is is to is to keep them up. Tell me about tell me about um the training with the drivers, and some of maybe the challenges you have with 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 drivers i imagine uh different drivers may have different um levels of intellect um you may have some foreign born and or culturally different drivers uh, you could have experienced drivers you can have rookie drivers um it sounds it sounds like because i know that like when i when i'm training witnesses which a lot of them are drivers i sometimes have to drastically change my approach to reach that particular driver because of their, again, their age, their experience, their cultural background. You know, there's a lot of things. Uh, tell me about your experiences with that. All of those things come into play. And, uh, and it's not, it's not that I have the luxury of creating a different learning experience for every different type of learner, because we know, we know that people, all people learn differently. Yep. And so, and I also know that I, I, I have to work with the least common denominator. So when I'm training, I try to use humor and irony and animation, because those are things that are relatable to the widest spectrum of people. I uh, joke, our chief training officer is a cartoon character named Skidmore Safely. <laughs> so... Uh, he's featured prominently in all of our material. Uh, so he's part of an animated training program that the drivers can watch. I keep it short. I keep it simple. The entire training program is only 12 minutes long in seven, seven small chapters. So keep it in small bites, make it relatable and uh and humorous because if i can get them laughing or if i can get them smiling i stand a better chance of the information landing i totally agree with that hence the reason why this podcast is so damn hilarious <laughs> i mean why do they do i mean really this is like if i don't do half stand-up comedy no one's gonna listen to this stuff uh now I'm, right. looking at, I'm looking at your website right now tell me about the um, the training so they they can um, they could use their phone or their handheld device and uh, don't have to necessarily come to an actual classroom. That's correct. That's correct. Because as I mentioned earlier, the the time constraints are enormous. If these guys aren't out on the road, yeah. Yeah. nobody's making money. And there's a lot, a lot of pressure to push them through the classroom as quickly as possible. So not only do we have all the training on our own website, but it is also on accident plan itself. Yeah. So, so that they can watch straight from the, straight from the application on their phone, yeah. take a short quiz with a silly question and a stupid answer. And then they can also take a test drive because what part of what accident plan does is it sends out alerts to all the people who are uh, involved, and but if but we also made a separate branch for test drive only, so that they can get familiar with the product pro without being in an emergency situation. <laughs> and we also make all of this material available to our clients to put on their own learning management system. So if they're using Infinity or or one of those, we make it available. Our clients just pull down the video and put it into their own their own program. 
That's that's outstanding. And I tell you what, I think this is well. Number one, I love the approach. Uh, number two, I have a very similar approach because, um, you know, what my career used to be, particularly with you know with the witness training, is I would always get the call after something bad happened, right? Um, and that's not when they. Well, it depends what's going on. If there's an accident, I'm getting a call really close after the accident, right? That's that that's actually um, a really good thing. But then in the last couple of years, we've had trucking companies and insurance companies call us saying, hey, why do we have to wait until an accident happens to get our witnesses ready for, because we like this, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Why can't we start now and get them some baseline training so when something does I always get it's like I always say getting the ball in the 50 yard line rather than your own 20 makes a huge difference. And by inner, you know, your intervention doesn't have to be after bad something happens, right? You're giving me the shivers, doctor. Um, it's it, we are always, always, always starting on the back foot. Mm -hmm. We're always, always in a reactive approach. And that is my, that's my mantra. That's my, my passion, as I've mentioned to you is let's prepare. We must prepare for it yeah. ahead of time. And that, and I would love to, we could, I mean, imagine if we could just team teach or, or get into safety meetings uh, even doing them online to say, listen, guys, this is you, you are in this situation. You need to manage it. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I grew up with this. You know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Gen Xer, and I remember, you know, growing up in elementary school, and you know, every so many months they'd do a full fire drill, right? Oh yeah, you have to line up and go to a certain spot, go to a certain exit, you know, get outside the building, make sure everybody's mm -hmm. accounted for, and you know, we never had a fire, Brendan. We never had a fire, but if one would have happened, you know, that was that was that training because that's what it is a fire drills training drill. that's exactly drill, what drill, drill. and we had them too and i'm 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 the last baby boomer but yeah we had them in my school too yeah how things that how things have changed now they're now they're doing active active shooting active uh, shooter drills, drills right? and lockdown yeah, it's, drills it's, it's, it's but at least at least they're drilling Yes. But nobody nobody prepared before it happened. Exactly. My point about trucking is the crash has happened a hundred, couple hundred thousand yeah. times a year. So why aren't we better prepared for them? Why are we constantly surprised by them? It's it's time and it's money, right? It's a, and it's a matter of choice. Um, I, I listen. I I work with some pretty damn. I mean, just brilliant. Um, trucking company owners and uh, claims people at um, insurance companies that, that know what they're doing that are all in on this. Cause they know, they know, but then, you know, there's others out there that they'll just take the risk and boy, that's, that's just the tough risk to take, particularly when, you know, preventative tools are out there and that they're, now they're effective. Now um, you do some other things in the industry. I know you do some private investigation. I know you do that um, for, for, for both sides. Um, and I'd like to I'd like to hear your experiences with that and kind of because you're literally in the trenches here. OK, yes, sir. Um, and, and I, I think our audience would um, really like to hear some of your observations and experiences, both from kind of the plaintiff's perspective and the defense perspective, and maybe kind of some things you see that maybe are good, but also maybe some things that you're like their head, your their head scratchers going, gosh. Like, uh, you know, I see this so much and this is just really bad and preventable. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. I've been uh, a, I've always been I've been a private investigator since about 2004, and it's always been a side hustle for me because I've kind I kind of got into it. I've done a lot of surveillance, a lot of observation on the defense side, which is where I get called on the defense side. But it's a very different a very different operation on the plaintiff side. When I get into the plaintiff side, one of the first things they want me to do is number one, find all the liable parties possible because they want to dip into all of the pockets. And yes, we'll go online. We'll find that 750,000 or million dollar or 2 million insurance policy that's posted, but then they're going to start digging into those umbrellas and the property ownership and things like that. Then I also uh, I, I of course, uh, uh, I of course investigate the facts of the crash, what happened, how it happened, the skid marks, the debris fields, all of that to make sure all of the information reconciles, make sure the police report reconciles with the 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 plaintiff side of the argument and all of that. But then I'll also go in looking for punitive damages and simple things like hours of service. It's one of the first things they'll exploit. The first two things they'll exploit are your policies and your hours of service compliance and your or, maintenance. Or, or, or using crystal meth when you're driving. I think that oh, would be, yeah. I think that'd be the third thing. Maybe that's number one, Brendan. Well, it drug, and, and, <laughs> and uh, the first thing I'll do is go online and pull the, pull the CSA records for the motor carrier. And if there's drug use in there, yes. if there's, if there's, if they're getting caught for drug use, that's bad. I'll go and see if I'm working on one right now where they've published their policy online. Okay. They've published their safety policy online. That was smart. That's really smart. Yeah. How, I mean, how often do you, people... how often do you teach that lesson? Oh, no, I you saw, you saw my lecture. I teach the exact opposite. I'm going to the website. I'm going to these websites going, what, like, what in the world are you doing? What yes. in the world were you thinking? And there's this mistaken, um, because I'm like, listen, what, like, if you're putting all the safety language on your websites and then even worse, right, quotes from your policies and procedures or even worse, you're actually putting the actual policies and procedures out there. That's exactly where the plaintiff attorneys go and to create their entire cross-examination. It has right. zero value to your business, but somebody got this bright idea and then other people started copying it. And it's it's really beyond idiotic, and it needs to. Stop. It's it's an unachievable goal, and you when you if you post an unachievable goal, people will expect you to stick to it. Yeah, and when you can't because it's unachievable, they will beat you up over it. Safety is our top priority. Nothing is more important than safety. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's 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 an honorable <laughs> it's an honorable thing to say. Sure but an absolutely impossible thing to do because you have exigent circumstances. And so the, as, as you pointed out, the, the deposition will inevitably go something like, Oh, so it's your top priority except on this day. Yeah, exactly. And that's, exactly. that's how it's going to go down. And that's what I want That's what, that's the kind of information that I want to bring back. Sure to our defense side because there's nothing stopping me from taking the learnage on taking yeah. the knowledge the learning that i've experienced that i gain on the plaintiff side there's nothing stopping me from bringing back to the defense um so at at, at the risk of pissing somebody off on this podcast which would not be the first time by the way brendan i 
Fair I've, enough. I've had I've had a few people, you know, get a little salty after some things I've said on here, but I don't bullshit. I just lay it out the way it is. And some people just don't like, you know, sometimes this, the truth strikes a nerve. Have you noticed that? Right. Yeah. Like when, when my wife, my wife, hey, delete, my wife says, do you like these shoes? And I'm like, no. And she's like, then I'm in trouble. I'm like, well, you just, you asked me if I like the shoes. I know I don't like them. And now I'm the bad guy. Right. Like the <laughs> truth just oftentimes doesn't work in certain situations. Tell us. And again, be, be respectful, but just be honest. Um, you, you work on both with the private investigation stuff. You you see things from the plaintiff side. You think see things from the defense side. Does one side have it together better than the other? Where are some kind of the key differences that you see um, when a, a a plaintiff versus a defendant uh, hires you in these situations? Because I I'm assuming there's some overlap, but other things could be a night and day difference. From uh, for all I know, well. Bill, if you read the trades, you know that we've been in an insurance crisis of 112% loss ratios sliding downward for the last seven years. So which side do you think has it together better? It's even uh, been published in the ATRI, <laughs> did a study on nuclear verdicts. So, okay, okay. You, you, um, you made your point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could get in. I could get into everything the ATRI sure. said, but here, here's the thing: the when I get called, when I get called by the defense or by the plaintiffs, uh, I'm called right away, and I'm working yeah. on it right away. There's it's, nothing. It's an aggression and a timing issue would be my prediction. Yes, and and I'm I'm digging up information that that I think the defense just isn't or they're they're not getting they they're they're going to get it in discovery maybe, but um, that's just it is it's it's proactive. I'm looking for everything and everybody, and I'm yeah. doing it right now. Yeah, and in defense, the only thing I ever get called for on the defense side is observation. And that's that's just to find out if they can lower the damages based on based yeah. on the claims. So given your experiences and observation, you know, we have mostly, by the way, hello, plaintiff attorneys. They're out there. They they listen. Uh, and they tell they me do. they listen. I'm, I'm and I'm okay. I'm okay with that. But we have a yeah. lot of defense, we have a lot of defense attorneys uh listening. Mm -hmm. But what advice would you give defense attorneys or just defendants as a whole? on how to use somebody like you in the in the PI type of role based on what you've seen some of the shortcomings what would you say that you know if you have an accident here's really what you should be doing with your investigator that maybe again that that you see is not really happening enough investigate yourself investigate yourself wow. first find all your own shortcomings in every time I take up a plaintiff case, the first person I investigate is the plaintiff because I'm going to pull their motor vehicle record. I'm going to pull their criminal record. I'm going to find out for that attorney what kind of client they have. So figure out what kind of client you are. Know Amazing. where the skeletons in your closet are. Know what's in the closet and do your best to mitigate those skeletons. That's, I tell you what, that is absolutely fantastic um, advice. It's actually, and it's also, it creates a lot of cognitive dissonance because um, nobody likes to look in the mirror. Nobody, um, it's, hard. It's, hard, it's hard. Whether it be professionally or personally, you know, and we, we all really need to do it. 
you know, doing it personally kind of sucks, but boy, if you want to do, if you want to develop as a human being, the best thing to do is to really be radically honest with yourself, whether it be your habits or your lifestyle or whatever, right? How you communicate with people. But then professionally, um, if you know where, you know, you know where all the landmines are internally, um, A, you could probably predict how you're going to get attacked, but B, you know, you can probably take care of, like, for example, the website, right? I mean, if, if you don't really pay attention to the stuff on your website, right? I mean, it's going to, that landmine is going to explode right in your face. And 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 it, and it's and it's un, it's unforeseen. You have to you have to look for the unknown knowns, and that's one of them. You think you're doing the right thing by putting that language on your website, yeah. but it's not. And and yeah. and it's hard for people to understand that. Yeah. And so it's 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 so important. It's so important. And you're right. Facing your own shortcomings is hard enough, but when you do it at the corporate level, it's a magnitude yeah. harder, more difficult. Yeah. It is. And then you have people that don't want to admit mistakes. And sometimes, you know, when you go searching through your own dirty laundry, you know, there's people responsible for that dirty laundry, right? And you have to, t- so it, it's not an easy process. It's It's an emotional process, but I think a very necessary process because that's what, that's what, your adversary is going to do when they get the opportunity. This is especially true in the era of telematics and cameras, because you cannot hide from that data. So if you have cameras in your trucks, you have to close every single incident. You have to identify every false positive. You have to identify every true positive and demonstrate that you had a process in place to close that loop. Otherwise, we call it a stinker in the wood pile. It's yeah. going to blow up on you later on because they will discover it and they will pin you on it. And there is no legitimate answer to that. And it's going to hurt strategically. It's going to hurt economically. And that's one of the things that the ATRI pointed out is that the plaintiff side shares all this information. Yes, they do. They do, and the defense side does not. We're actually, a couple of colleagues of mine are, are considering standing up a, an information repository. We're toying with the idea. So if any of your audience out there is interested in that, please, let's get in touch. Yeah, and I, I wanted to end the podcast, uh, uh, Brendan Dawson, give, what's the best way for uh, anyone listening to contact you? And contact me by email, Brendan, that's B as in Bravo, R-E-N-D-A-N, at accidentplan.com outstanding brendan thank you so much for being on the podcast this was outstanding make sure i'll see you at the next conference uh to our audience members thank you so much for participating in this edition of the litigation psychology podcast we'll see you next time and thank you bill appreciate the opportunity no problem sit